Welcome to the Unified Brand Podcast, brought to you by Elements Brand Management, a weekly brand building and brand strategy podcast to help you unlock your brand's potential, stand out from the competition, and create impact. So today we're joined by Jim Heininger, founder of Rebranding Experts and Brand Strategists with 30 years of experience working with companies like P&G, McDonald's, Anheuser-Busch and others. Great to have you on the Unified Brand Podcast, Jim. If you could say a little bit more about what yourself and what you do. Hey, Chris. Great to be with you. So I uh, started Rebranding Experts about five years ago when we actually spun it off of uh, another firm, the marketing communications firm that we had. So that we had a team that just focused and was completely dedicated to rebranding exercises. We had done several in the past and found it really needed a whole suite of services um, beyond what a traditional marketing firm has. Things like change management, like HR and people engagement kind of support, heavier in the communications internally and within leadership. So we packaged that all up into a dedicated firm that that would focus on just rebranding organizations. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I like the idea of packaging up with uh, change management and the HR side as well, because obviously with a go through a rebranding process, you put all that time into that that new direction. You want to make sure that it takes, it sticks, and it kind of gets delivered throughout the culture. So yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, the brand promise has got to be delivered by the people first and foremost. So they've got to be, you know, front and center in terms of the rebranding effort. Yeah, definitely. So how did you get started in the industry? What was the passion behind it? And uh, yeah, what was your favorite things to do in the industry? So my background, 30 plus years, is was heavy in the strategic communications or public relations side, working for some of the big global agencies, running Chicago offices for them where I'm based. And then did a stint at McDonald's Corporation, where I was kind of a hired gun to help work through some touchy subjects, touchy issues that they had that were really drawing down on their um, kind of public trust. So spent several years kind of getting those fixed and getting it, you know, stood back up so that they could regain some of their corporate reputation. And they then promised me additional work so that I could open my own firm, open Dixon James, a communications firm, and then Five years later, we launched the rebranding experts. What really thrills me about it, though, is it pulls together all the different kinds of experiences I personally had in my career and allows me to make a very kind of you know niche or unique offering out into the marketplace. So it's everything from the branding and the strategy and the communications and the design, and then adding in things like communications and change management, employee engagement, launch events, marketing events. And then your whole go forward kind of, you know, marketing plan once you've relaunched. So at this point in my career, pulling together all those experiences that I've had and doing something that really brings me a lot of joy. Cool. And what's the kind of, do you have any specific industries you work in or do you, or sort of types of clients you like to work with and, and how do you approach working with clients? So we work across all industries, which is really kind of interesting because we're not kind of focused on a particular industry as much as we are about that experience of rebranding the organization. And so we've worked with everything from travel and hospitality to professional services to construction to nonprofit. We've got a medical healthcare one in the works right now as well, too. So it's really more that expertise and how do you lead a client through that rebranding process than it is about their industry. What's interesting is that when it comes to rebranding, and we knew this going into it, but most people, most organizations, you don't go out and issue an RFP or do a big agency search, public agency search, 
trying to find somebody to support you through rebranding. It's done undercover. It's a very stealth effort. And so it's really kind of reaching out and researching and finding who might be an expert or a specialist in rebranding that they could come in, counsel them about the process, and then you know propose to them how to approach it. So most of our inquiries that come in are from organizations that never heard of. They found us on the web. You know, our, we do a lot of work to build up our SEO on rebranding. And they come in, ask what, what's involved in this process. We lay it out for them. And it's usually a non-competitive process then because they realize that their current either marketing agency or branding agency doesn't have that depth of experience in all the other services that we offer. And so they feel really comfortable going with us. But we have to wait for the emails to come in and for the phone to ring when people are kind of, you know, out in their discovery mode looking for somebody that can help specialize in this. Yeah. So do you think that reason that the undercover and almost inquiring sort of nature from them is due to wanting to keep it under wraps from the competition? Is it because they are kind of trying to feel out around the situation, first of all, rather than doing, like you said, an RFP or something like that? Yeah, I think it's both. They are needing to learn a little bit more about it themselves. They're exploring it. They know that something needs to change. And so they're exploring what's involved in an actual rebrand. And then, yeah, you don't want to give your customers anything to use against you. You know, that oh, there's uncertainty there. They're thinking of changing up their name and their brand. So you don't want to hand that to them from a competitive standpoint. And even your employees, you want to make sure that you're in control of telling them that you're going to go into a rebranding effort and not let them read about it in the paper or find out from, you know, a customer. So, you know, we usually will get contacted either by the CEO or the chief marketing officer, you know, that's saying leadership has thought about and is is really interested in this. Tell me how you would approach it. Yeah, interesting. So what is it in terms of rebranding? Why should companies think about rebranding in the first place? And what are the indicators that they should look for to let them know it's time to rebrand? Yeah, there's lots of red flags that can catch your attention. We kind of put it into two different buckets, that there's either a need to rebrand or an opportunity for the company if it were to rebrand. So the need is things like, you know, maybe there's been an acquisition or a merger or new leadership or something's kind of physically changed that's requiring the organization to think about its branding and to make a change. And then under the opportunity side is things like our existing brand is not working anymore. You know, it's outdated, It's we've outgrown it so you know much that we need a new brand, or we have a really ambitious strategic growth plan. We're gonna go into new markets, new customer segments, span geographically, and we need a brand that's gonna help propel us through that opportunity. So it usually comes down to you know, one of those two buckets. And because of that, there's different strategies that you might pursue and how you approach your rebranding because of that. But there's usually something like that that's really kind of the trigger that brings the discussion to the forefront. Okay, cool. And so when you start working with a client and you've sort of isolated or ascertained what the reason is and the reasons they are choosing to rebrand, how does your process work and, and what things do you do you start with when working with a client? So we've developed a, a pretty good playbook to lead through this whole process kind of end to end. And the first of it, you know, the assessment stage, the whole initial stage is really making sure that leadership understands what a brand is, what their current brand is, and what are the equities of that brand that they want to kind of pull forward, the things they want to keep and the things they want to jettison, and then understanding what the customer base thinks of them, what the public thinks of them, or whatever you know industry that they're in, 
How is that brand perceived? What is the sentiment of that brand? We often find, especially you know, if it's a smaller or mid-sized business, we have to spend a good amount of time first making sure they're comfortable with what a brand is. Because if we're going to be standing up an entirely new brand, which is the second phase in this process, we want to understand the depth that we're going to go into. And you know, the whole idea of the customer promise and the personality of the brand and the voice of the brand and what does it mean to customers and so forth and how do you live it as an employee? If you don't understand what a brand is, that's going to be meaningless to you. So we do a lot of education, a lot of workshops up front, really kind of getting the leadership team understanding and aligned and in support of what a brand can do for them. So then they're much more eager to hear the new proposed brand when we lay it out in front of them. And you find yourself getting a lot more traction then because they're they're ready to embrace it as opposed to be questioning, well, why do we need this thing in the first place? That's really interesting because, yeah, I've, I've definitely experienced with some of the projects we've worked on where you, it's almost, what you're saying is you're almost priming. You're priming kind of a situation. You're helping someone to move up to a place where they're ready for something. And there is that, yeah, that's a really interesting way of doing things because definitely a lot of people that you tend to work with, sometimes they're not in a place to, they're not ready for that change sometimes or that transformation. They're kind of a little bit apprehensive. So yeah, that sounds amazing. So have you found that as well? That some people are not in that place of transformation. Some are, but some are hesitant or not quite understanding where this is going to go. Yeah, it's a great question. We oftentimes, as we start out, we'll learn the role of different decision makers in the process and where their heads may be so that we know going into it where we need to focus our efforts or what kind of obstacles somebody might throw up in the whole process that, you know, let's address those in advance as opposed to waiting until it becomes a disruption in the process. You know, I'll I'll think of a recent example of a, it was a family owned business and the daughter had taken over the reins of the business from her father several years ago, and he was still a consultant to it, you know, but she wanted to rebrand and she knew and had all the rationale behind why rebranding was needed for the organization at this point in time. They were on a very, you know, upward trajectory in terms of growth. They really needed to present themselves differently to the marketplace. The very first step in the process was. I need you to meet with my father and talk about rebranding and convince him as to why this is a valid option for us right now and a smart strategy, because I want him to be enthusiastically supportive of it as we start to move it throughout the organization. So I said, okay, that's an unusual requirement in terms of the whole process, but happy to do it. So we really made sure that he was brought along through the process in a way that he felt as if it was the right thing for what he had created over decades. He had total confidence in her decision to do it. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. There is that sometimes that apprehension or that, yeah, that ability to kind of hold yourself back from wanting to change. So yeah, that's amazing. So what is it you see sometimes with businesses? What are the things that hold them back from rebranding? And what are some things that maybe some misconceptions or things that, that kind of, yeah, hold them back from taking that step? Two big things come to mind. So first of all, no one anticipates how much work is involved, how large of an effort or comprehensive of an effort it is that you need. It's not just a logo change or a name change. You know, that's the visual identity piece of things, but you have to embed it within the organization and make sure that everybody, all your employees understand it, can tell the story, believe in the story and know how they're going to behave differently because of the brand promise requires them to kind of act in a different way than they did in the past. So nobody understands how comprehensive it is to do it successfully, to do it right. And so we spend a lot of time 
walking through that up front and laying out all the steps that have to be taken to get there. And at times it can be a little overwhelming. We have to be a little careful that we don't, you know, at some point scare them off because they thought that they would have it done in a matter of a few months and be done with it. The second thing is, and it's an encouragement, we kind of call it the golden rule, is you got to be aspirational in this process. You've got to think beyond today. You're really trying to create a brand that's for tomorrow and forward-facing and will allow you to grow for years to come in the direction that you're wanting to grow. So really be aspirational with it. Give yourself a lot of room and elasticity to grow into this new brand. You know, right now it may be a bit of a reach, but trust me, over time, it gives you the chance to grow in a way that you never anticipated. And so those are the two things that kind of up front will lay out for people. It's oftentimes hard to kind of comprehend everything else that's going on, but we always keep revisiting that as this is your chance to be really aspirational and get ready. There's a lot of work involved. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, when you said that, I was thinking of the quote of you can only grow as far as the boundaries you constrain yourself in. So if you can like, if you can stretch your vision out further and that ultimate goal of your brand, yeah, I can see how you can develop into that and grow into it and change. And there's a bit of flexibility in there as well as you go through it. I thought that was really, yeah, it's really cool. So from your point of view, when you're working with clients, what do you love the most about it? What is the thing that you love about helping businesses to rebrand? Well, in most cases, it's helping them fully embrace the power of the brand and what it can do for their business. And then when you stand up a new proposed brand for them and they see all these pieces together, the kind of aha that goes off in their eyes is just like, oh my God, at some point customers may think of us this way. Like, yeah, that's the whole idea. You know, so it's really kind of thrilling to see it, the aha moments when they see a brand that is something they never expected and how it could work for them in terms of building their business, that's the payday right there. And that's even well before you even launch it and go to market with it. It's kind of in the creative process. When you have a client that like embodies it, takes it on board and then actually runs with it as well. Yeah, it's a great feeling, definitely. So what does a successful rebrand look like? What would you say? So we always use the analogy that at the end of the day, your brand is really owned in your customer's mind. You know, you do everything you can to shape and to influence it, but it's in your customer's mind. And so it's handing over the keys of your car or your business to your customers. And the fact that they are the ones that are going to be making the decisions about your future and whether they're going to continue to give you their business or buy your products. And so it's really trying to get the company to realize that and that it's not about them. It's about what they can do to best serve the customer. And if you're able to stand up a new brand in a way that really kind of engages them in in a way that they haven't or your competitors aren't, that's what success looks like. And it's really interesting when, you know, we just launched a a rebrand of a player in the construction industry here in the United States and to see them able to tell their story so much more clearly and powerfully because they now have this framework with which to use to do it, you know, makes me feel great. I watch them every day on the social media. I'm watching their posts going, you got it. You know, you're taking advantage of the new brand that you've created. Yeah, that is amazing. Have you seen any, so recently, obviously, have you seen any brands that have really managed to do this in a way that you would sort of celebrate and lift up in terms of how they've handled a rebrand, managed that change management and kept everything aligned? 
There's a major rebrand that took place in the U.S. late in the fall, and it was one of the Blue Cross Blue Shield healthcare insurance providers, which are big players here. And this one was called Anthem, and it serves a portion of the country. They really wanted to move from a healthcare provider, you know, health insurance provider, to a kind of lifetime partner in your good health. And so they reintroduced themselves as Elevance Health, and it was Elevate and Advance combined into Elevance Health. So coined a new name, a new term, and launched it. And the CMO was just interviewed by uh, the Wall Street Journal and talked about how what was so critical to the success was making sure that everyone internally understood and was on the same playbook when it came to launching this. Because if you launch this in a public way and in a marketing way, and then the customer experience doesn't match it because the people that you talk to on the phone or sell you the products or whatever aren't delivering the same kind of brand or same feeling, it would crumble. It wouldn't work. And so they spent the appropriate amount of time making sure that their thousands of employees were ready to go before launch day so that then it could really get maximum impact in the marketplace. So I think that was that was a really good example and one that I was, you know, we didn't certainly didn't help with, but was proud of the way they approached it because they did it right. So in terms of that change management, what are some things that you do when you're approaching that and how do you help them to embed that sort of communication across the company? Because it sounds like it's a big job and it's not something that you can do in a one-off. It has to be over time and it takes a bit of effort to do that. Yeah. So it begins with what is the new customer experience? What is the new customer experience journey that you're striving for? And you design back from that what you need to do internally to be able to deliver upon that. So that's where the change management assessment comes in. What kind of impact is it going to have on our organization? What new training do we need for our employees? Do roles change because of this? You know, oftentimes with the rebranding, there's a technology introduction as well. And oftentimes that means a realignment of roles for people internally because technology's taken over a piece of the customer experience or something. So there's changes internally that need to take place. And those often have a cultural impact as well, too. So you need to kind of, you know, assess the culture, make sure that the culture is going to support the new brand experience that you're going to be delivering. And then you build it all back up in a way that makes sure that you've gone through the change process prior to launching the new brand. And we always will say, too, I just wrote a story for Forbes on this, is there's got to be some significant beef in your rebranding. It's not just a logo change. It's not a name change. There has to be something that's rolled up into it that is that demonstrates what this new promise is you're making to customers. So it's service changes, products, something in the way that you do your business has to be rolled up into this to make it truly meaningful. And so that's what that, all that change management process is in advance of the launch is to make sure that you are going to deliver on what that new promise is. And the pieces start to come in together for clients when they start to see it and you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. You know, if, if we're not just going to go out and say we're this, we're actually going to be this and deliver something different for clients that makes this rebranding really come to life in a unique way. One of the other things too, kind of in that change management bucket is we work closely with the HR team internally because the brand has to be woven throughout the whole HR process. 
So everything from how they recruit new employees and what they, you know, what they tell the new employees, the promises of the organization and, you know, why you want to come work for us, to onboarding them and making sure they're trained behind the new brand, performance management. If things have changed in terms of roles or expectations of employees, now that has to be addressed in the performance management process. Rewards, recognitions to make sure that you're always keeping the brand in front of employees in terms of this is the way we're supposed to you know behave and perform. So getting it woven through that HR process is an important point. And you want to start the planning on all that before you launch as well, because you want that to materialize on launch day as well, too. And so that's one thing that kind of surprises clients when they say, Why are we doing all this, you know, now? Because Day one, you want it to be different for your employees as well and how they experience the company. Yeah, and it sounds like the whole process. I mean, it's, it's a transformation of the business. It's a transformation of the, the sort of leadership team who've gone through the process of being, you talked about priming earlier on, but it's also a transformation for the whole workforce, essentially, that uh, they are changing at the same time. So it's a rebrand, but in the sense of when most people, like you said, think of a rebrand, they think of the visual identity, but it's a rebrand in as much as this is a real shift. We are actually changing the strategy of the company, the alignment of the company and where it's going. And we're doing that on the ground front line with the people involved. Sounds awesome. So I think from that, I was, you talked about the beef and I was really keen to dive into when you said the beef. I thought that sounds interesting. So is that similar to kind of almost identifying, you talk about beef in as much as you need to have a reason for the change and need to focus on that from like a, almost like a standpoint of a villain or something that's pushing the change or forcing the change. Is that the kind of the idea you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of thoughts here. It's really important that you have crystallized why you're changing. You know, if it's a merger or an acquisition, then that's a little bit easier for people to understand, you know, that you need to come up with a new branding for the company. So that why we're rebranding has to be crystallized in a way that you can then weave that through everything that you're doing. Because you have to tell your customers some, at some point, okay, we're going to be rebranding and here's why. And you need to get them excited about it so that when you want, then introduce them to the new name and the new promise and so forth, they're already understanding why you're doing this and then they can support it. If they're kind of trying to jumble that all together in their mind at the same time, it makes it more difficult for them. So it's a process, I think, of making sure that there's substantive change within the organization that when once you launch this new brand, customers are experiencing you differently than they did in the past. That's the true promise of it. And it gives you a chance to fix a lot of stuff that maybe you weren't doing very good or that you kind of failed to, you know, to deliver upon a chance to clean a lot of that up and get rid of old behaviors or old customs or things that are dragging you down and embrace the new things that are going to propel you forward. It reminds me of that Gap story when they rebranded. They rebranded, didn't tell anyone it was kind of an overnight thing. And then their customer base, some people were even walking past the store from a visual point of view because they didn't, they weren't ready for it. They didn't realize it was coming. And and uh, yeah, the sort of the rollback on that had to happen because they hadn't, like you said, laid the pathway, almost that idea of, I don't know why it's come to my head because I'm quite a visual person, but yellow brick road kind of thing. It's almost like laying that pathway. Yeah, it's just interesting. Well, I've been reading about this parcel delivery company in the UK. Is it every, what used to be called Hermes or Hermes? Oh, Hermes. Yeah. And rebrand. And apparently they had a lot of operational problems and customer service dissatisfaction. They rebranded and they're still having some, a lot of the operational issues. And people are saying, wait a second, you know, did you just put lipstick on a pig here? You didn't use this as the opportunity to change and be better 
because now you've just carried forward all those bad associations that we already had of the brand. That's interesting. It was the Royal Mail as well did one and they changed that. I can't remember what the name they changed it to, but it was back, it's probably about 10, 15 years ago. Royal Mail in the UK has kind of been established for decades and it was something that helped, you know, during conflicts and things and that kind of stuff. And it's been a, a stalwart in people's lives for many years. And they decided just one day just to change the name and change everything of it. And people felt disillusioned and you had people that had used the brand for a long time and they had to roll it back. Oh. People were just completely, uh, yeah, taken aback by it. So That's not good. <laughs> no, not at all. So on that sort of vein, what are some other challenges that you see with rebranding or some things that are worth thinking about before you make that decision? So we'll go through a process where we kind of get the client to understand what the costs are going to be associated with this. We actually will do a budgeting workshop up front because there's so many costs that are associated with it that they're not anticipating. If they have a lot of things like, um, you know, uniforms for employees or signage or trucks with, you know, their name on the side or, you know, facilities across the country, there's a huge cost associated with updating signage and brand name across all those different properties. So we'll say, let's sit down and make sure that you have a really clear picture of what's going to be required to do this before we get too far down the process, because I don't want them to get excited about it. And then it suddenly become a bad taste in their mouth or a negative because, well, this is turning out to be much more expensive than I thought. So we learned that kind of early on as we stood up the agency is oftentimes that's the responsibility of someone internally, but let's go ahead and suggest it. Let's go ahead and facilitate that budgeting process just to make sure that they're fully aware of what's going to be involved. Yeah, that must be, a, it's a good step to get done early, I guess, because you can already a kind of, you're laying everything on the table, everyone knows where they stand and they know what the, the journey is going to look like, that kind of, that sort of the journey they've got to take ahead of themselves. So from that, how can rebranding grow your business? What are the things that it does for your business? What are the positive aspects of that? So, and I'm going to, I'm going to refer to even research that Hanover did about what business executives thought of rebranding and it's 78 percent of them said it has a positive impact on their company 81 percent of them said it generated a positive return on the investment so those are pretty good right from the very start but it, it's things like you know it enabled them to optimize their customer satisfaction which is pretty good optimize brand messaging and improve market share so that's what leaders kind of carry the responsibility for in their businesses every day is growing. And this something like rebranding in the right situation can be a real jetpack kind of for success in terms of helping people to rebrand or helping people to grow. Yeah, those stats are awesome. And I guess it is that it's the transformation across all those levels that really does kickstart and jetpack. Like you said, if you get that right, it really does launch that business, not just from a marketing perspective, but on sales. And then you've got operations, product development, all these areas are going to flourish because they've got that you mentioned it earlier on. I always talk about this idea of you can't think outside of a box if you haven't created the box. It's kind of creating the box to kind of, you know, then you can develop upon it and innovate and yeah, improve automation and things like that. So yeah, I think that's awesome. So on the communication side, if we shift to that for a second, how do you sort of begin thinking about communicating the brand and what the things that you look to hook onto or develop when you're thinking about that communication side of things? So we would start with the communications internally within the business. And so we're very keen on making sure that the leadership team is engaged in the process and has some ownership of it, first of all. So that when it comes to the final decision that this is the new brand, they've got some skin in the game and therefore are going to support it going forward, as opposed to it being handed to them 
by the marketing department, it's essential that they help own it as well too. And then it's training them on how to deliver that brand story. So that by, you know, so that before they ever need to talk to their teams internally, they've got it down and they understand it and they can kind of put, you know, this branding story, you know, out in a convincing way. So think back to the fact we got to educate them on what a brand is so that they can eventually deliver a branding story. Well, there's a lot of communications that happens kind of in that, that process. And then we've got, you know, we have a whole schedule is how do you introduce it internally to your organization? You know, how do you use influential people within the organization? They may not be in positions of leadership or power, but we all know they're those people that, you know, really get the conversation going within a company and so forth and the employee base. How do we use them as kind of ambassadors to help support this change in the branding effort as well? So. That might be a technique that we use depending upon the the size and the the structure of the organization. Then when it comes to launching it externally, we always think it's, you know, if you test the new brand with a select group of customers ahead of time, just to kind of affirm that you're on the right course and that they're going to accept it and so forth. And you do that in a very confidential way. Use those people as well as ambassadors when it comes time to launch. So we've had some clients that, you know, we previewed it to a handful of customers. Those customers gave them thumbs up. You know, this is great. Really like where you're going. You've been a great partner. If it's a B2B kind of setting and we're going to be there for you, capture that on video and play that for the employees because the employees are scared to death that this rebranding is going to confuse customers or they're going to lose customers or something. And if you have customers saying, no, this is awesome. All of a sudden, that washes away and you kind of relieve the tension about how customers are going to respond to it. And then we're big believers that there's a process you have to go through in terms of communicating to your customers about a rebranding. And the first thing is you have to tell them why you're doing it, you know, and get that out of the way first. We're going to be rebranding for the following reasons. And here's what we're hoping to achieve. Kind of get that baseline out there. Then you tell them what the new brand is and what it means and what it means to them. And you got to make sure that they have a clear understanding if it's going to require anything different of them. So if it's a if it's a B2B setting and there's changes that the partners or customers need to do in their technology systems, in their relationship, whatever they do, let them know specifically what those changes are so that they can address it and that your rebranding doesn't become a kind of pain in the side as time goes on because it's requiring them to suddenly catch up with you. That doesn't go over very well. And then keep the excitement going. Show support from, you know, others that think it's a great idea. You know, take the newspaper stories and business reports and play them back to them to kind of show it's gaining support. Show pictures of your employees celebrating the launch of the new brand and just have this wonderful chain of events over, you know, a couple, three, four weeks that is a rolling thunder of momentum and enthusiasm about the new brand that works to make sure that they are not building up any kind of questions or doubt about it. There's, they kind of want to jump on that train as well then too. So it's we've got a very detailed process that we you know lay out for our clients is this is how you're going to communicate it to customers. And um, it's worked pretty well. Yeah, that's awesome. I think um, 
It reminded me of what, before I launched my own business, I was working in a company and they had they went through a process of change. And I remember that process and the, all the things you're saying there, all the good positive things that didn't happen. And it was a process of, there was a lot of people who were stuck with the traditions and the old brand. They kind of held on to it. They wanted to cling to it as the change happened, but they didn't want to do the change. They didn't want to change anything at all. And they didn't know why we were changing. They didn't know what we were changing about. And it was kind of, it went through this process and it was one of the reasons that actually spurred me on to then developing business was because of that realization and the confusion it caused internally post that as well between the different departments and how they interacted it was really confusing and uh, yeah not great that's kind of the fundamentals of change management it's a journey that people have to go through and all the experts in change management will say you know until you cross this bridge you know you, you people are going to go back they're going to revert back and so you want to make sure that you lead them through this journey so that they are at a point where they feel good about it. People don't like change. And one of the biggest obstacles to a successful rebrand, and this is a study we did about five, six years ago, it's all the internal obstacles. It's getting departments to work together. It's creating the culture to support the new brand. It's all those things that you don't think about when it comes to rebranding because you think about the external piece of it all. It's gotta be built on a really strong internal foundation. So. We make sure that that leaders know and support the rebrand, that they can then share it with their department heads or whatever, and that it works its way down through the organization in terms of this feeling of support, that employees feel engaged in it and know how to answer questions that that you know that that people may ask, so that they feel confident and part of the team and part, you know, that they're not gonna look stupid when this rebranding takes place. It's a lot of that kind of internal structure and building to make it successful that most companies don't realize when they go into this whole thing. They just think of it as put a new logo on this. Oh, we got a new name. You know, we'll move forward. No, this is the chance to transform your business and set it up for success for years to come. Yeah. And I love to what you said earlier on about almost helping the employees to develop that confidence by showing them the videos from the partners of how much they've kind of taken that on board. And then when the press releases and the news comes out about the positivity of it, showing that to them, because it gets them through that process, like you said, that that over that bridge or over that point they need to get to. I thought it was really good, really interesting. So on that side of things, I thought that was a really good tip, but there are some other tips you can give listeners to consider before they start rebranding or things they can do when they're rebranding to make the transition easier. So we will recommend that an organization that's stepping into this process that's still kind of forming up whether they're going to do it is to create a business case for rebranding. And we've got a template of 10 different things that we, you know, say this is the information you need to pull together to lay out the rationale for rebranding and the cost of not rebranding, which a lot of folks don't think about. You know, if you were to continue with the same brand and it was too limiting and it didn't allow you to grow and customers were confused as to why you were introducing these products or growing in these markets. That's not a good thing. So what's the cost of that if you don't change this up and give yourself the opportunity to, to grow more deeply? So the business case is a big piece. And the second thing I would say is that you've got to have the leadership commitment behind it. You've got to have don't hand it off to the marketing department to do. The leadership is, we make sure that the leadership owns the creation of the new brand. It's their input coming to us and us giving it back to them in a more cleverly packaged, nuanced, you know, romanticized way. 
and they see exactly what it is that they gave us reflected in that, you got to have their involvement and buy-in in that whole process because you don't want to get down the road and all of a sudden have somebody stick a, you know, something in the spokes of the wheels trying to stop it because they don't like the way this is going. So having them on board and having a good business case, I think, gets you off to a good start. What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions that you see going into those situations about rebranding or branding in general? Just as you go into these process, what are the big myths or misconceptions? Well, you know, it's the understanding what a brand is. I think most companies are a little surprised when they see all, if they're not regularly seeing all their brand research pulled together in one place in terms of, you know, what do the customers really think of us and What's the sentiment of our brand so forth? And when they see that for the first time, it can be a little unsettling, you know, that they're, you know, everything they thought was so good or so perfect might not be, or that it's, you're not perceived in the way that you thought you were going to be. And that tends to be a little bit of a kind of a pause and figure out, okay, I underestimated what our reputation was doing for us. Um, let's figure out how we make it right. So that's one of those kind of sticking points that you oftentimes run into when you're getting leadership to kind of embrace a new brand. Because I guess that's from a customer research kind of piece. Where do you draw that from? What are the, the resources that you use to sort of almost tell that story internally and bring it to life? You know, we'll pull together all the existing or new kind of customer research and data and so forth. But we then, you know, we think it's really important to do interviews with key stakeholders, in-depth interviews, where you really try to scratch below the surface and get to the heart of what it is that makes this company different. What's the fight that it's in for? You know, if it only had one differentiating thing compared to competitors, what would that be? And those nuggets of kind of insight that come from those different stakeholders, if you stand those up for leadership, they know it and they see it. They know it's for real because of the source that it's coming from. It's not just the survey of customers or so, you know, so forth, but they'll say, oh, you know, Joe said that, really? You know, that's the way that they've, you know, always looked at our relationship. Oh, okay. So it's creating those kind of one-on-one stakeholder interviews that are really in a sense, they can be honest and they can really come out with the kind of information that sometimes a survey doesn't always scratch deep enough to produce. Yeah, because I think sometimes with some surveys, you sort of, the audience can know they're in a survey and depending on the type of personality types, you can answer it in a certain way. If you're really agreeable, like myself, you probably might answer it in a way that is overly agreeable, but I think you're right. Yeah, if you can get in depth interviews with people and really, like you said, scratch the surface, that's really important. That's sort of honest perception of the brand must be amazing, especially for the leadership group to see that and then see exactly how they're being perceived. Yeah, you know, surprisingly, most companies don't talk to their customers as much as they should. They think that the sales is the mark of what their customers think of them, but they're not really diving in to ask, you know, how does this product or service improve your life, improve what you do, make life easier for you? You know, what is it that you trust in us? They don't dig that deep. And so therefore, you're kind of relying upon very shallow information is the way I always like to say it. We had a client that we did stakeholders interviews with the business partners, you know, so they resold products for other companies. And so we talked to the, you know, the manufacturers of the products that they that they represented. And they all came back with this amazingly supportive comment of, These people are really reshaping the industry. You know, they do it differently than anybody else does. 
They are confident. They reach out to the end customers in a way that no other provider that we work with does. The client had never heard that. It gave them such fuel and such confidence themselves as to, we've been trying to do that, but we didn't realize anybody recognized it. And we didn't realize that our own partners, you know, that we work with for success, acknowledged that that was key to what makes us different from the competitors. And so just that key learning allowed them to lean into this rebranding in a way that they had never anticipated. Gave them a lot more confidence. The whole idea of we're going to go out and reframe the discussion in our industry and we're going to change up the way, you know, things are happening, a real kind of rebel personality just took off. And it was amazing to watch because it was gained from this confidence that their own partners, their own business partners said, yeah, these guys do it better than anybody. You know, they really are trying to change the industry. Now they had the confidence to do it and go out and and launch a rebranding that really said, that's what we're out to do. That's what we want to do for you and customer. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the idea of transformation and seeing people so excited about something that is the possibilities of it and then the kind of excitement based around that, I think is really cool. And do you find that as well with leadership teams? If you're doing the change bit at that point, they actually, they will tell you things that they have never spoke to anyone else about in terms of, and they'll be talking amongst themselves potentially. And these little bits of gold will come out that they haven't even thought of as being important or necessary. And you can draw upon them to then tell that story. Yeah, you will get a lot of leadership who have been trained or accustomed to towing the company line. And so you do a stakeholder interview and you're just hearing back what they're already marketing and you're like, no, 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 let's go deeper. Let's go lower. And they're incapable of doing it. That's just their nature. They're, you know, they're protective. And so they don't dive deeper. And then you get other leadership who just lay it all out and say, you know, here's what we suck at. Here's what we're really good at and help you frame up then what can be the core of that new promise or one that they can aspire to in a little bit better way. Because if you remove some of the obstacles, you know, they might be able to obtain it more easily. Yeah. What drives you mad about the industry? What is something that really frustrates you about it currently, the industry, the way it is and where it's headed potentially? Where do I begin? Uh, no, it's <laughs> just kidding. Uh, you know, I think it's, um, there isn't probably as much education and leading by the agencies as there could be. You know, hopefully you hear that we do a lot of guiding and educating, you know, in the whole process because we want to achieve an outcome that we know is there's a potential of. We're not trying to polish stuff up too much. We think it's honesty and transparency is extremely important. And that's what I think the industry always faces is a little too much glitz and glamour and, you know, kind of shining things up that to make them look like they're, you know, better, stronger than they are, as opposed to being frank and candid about things. We always will say, if you're going to rebrand this, this is a, an amazing journey you're going to go on, you know, that's for the next year, that's going to take you to the outcome of this whole thing. We want to be your Sherpas through the whole thing. You know, we want to help you climb that mountain and get to the peak of it. And that's a lot of things besides just the creation of the new name and the new logo and the, you know, the creative ideas and so forth. That's this literally handholding and getting people up to the top of that mountain that they need to get. And I, that's one of the reasons I started the firm is because I realized that that was essential. And I think there's a lot of firms that just don't know how to do that or don't want to do that, don't have the capability to do it. And so you just give the client the shiny pieces, you know, that get them all excited, but don't necessarily make sure that it's going to work the way it, it should. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that I've really taken away from this conversation is the fact that you really do care. It sounds like you really care about that journey. You care about the customer. You care about, obviously, which I think, obviously, agencies do. But in sometimes, like you said, they don't have the capabilities. They don't even maybe have the know-how or the experience to be able to do that in a way that would help that client to go through that journey. And like you said, it's just the shiny bit, the change in the, you know, respray the car rather than checking the engine kind of thing. It's sort of... Um, yeah, I like that. But yeah, I think it definitely from this conversation, it sounds like um, you really do care and you really do care about the change that that happens across the whole organization and how that then is is embedded. And I think that's, there's something I'm really interested about that with regards to values and um, culture in general and how you can form habits and behaviors through little things and how those things come in. Is there things that you do with that in terms of how to get that across as a brand? You know, from a cultural standpoint, one of the things that we always recommend that a client do is within their employees, within their internal audience, is create a new cultural ritual that supports the new brand. So something that the company does, employees do or say, or somehow is very, you know, kind of visually represented, but there's an action associated with it too, that reminds employees every single day, we have to do something differently than we did before in order to meet the expectation that we're creating among customers. We'll use the example, it's, it's a big one here in the United States, is the Notre Dame University football team, which for years was championship football team. Their locker room, as the football players leave the, to go out to the field to play the game, there's a list above the doorway of the years that they won their national championships. And then there's a sign that says, play like a champion today. And as the players run out to the field, they all slap the sign as an acknowledgement of that's what we need to do today. That's the responsibility I hold wearing these colors, wearing this uniform is to play like a champion that people expect us to be. Everybody knows the Notre Dame football team here. So that when you use that as an example, it really kind of crystallizes, create that kind of cultural ritual that is going to remind people on a daily basis to go out and do something different than what they would normally do or that they've done in the past. So we ask, you know, we'll help brainstorm what that could be, get their HR team to kind of build that into, you know, their everyday work environment um, in a way that really reinforces all this work and effort that we've gone through to stand up a new brand. I love that. There's a book by a guy called Todd Herman, Todd Harmon, called The Alter Ego Effect. And he talks about working with sports personalities and how they use like a totem or like you said, like a, I think, uh, yeah, just something that they do, like they rub their head with a towel before they go onto the basketball court or they'll do certain things to engage that side. And I think that was really cool. That's really interesting how you do that because that is reinforcing change essentially over time. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So from your point of view, what's the future hold for rebranding experts? What's the future hold for the industry and what are you most excited about in 2023? We keep an eye out on kind of what are the things that influence when an organization might need to rebrand. So we keep an eye on, you know, a lot of this is driven by private equity investment that is buying up firms and then having to merge firms together or, you know, get them to rebrand in a way that they're now a combined force. That's where, you know, call for rebranding may come in. You know, I just noticed, got the statistics yesterday that there were 5 million new businesses established in the United States last year, all entrepreneurial uh, ventures that I can bet a good portion of those came up with a brand that wasn't very thought through, you know, that was maybe used 
the owner's or the you know the entrepreneur's name, or it's not as good as it could be. In a matter of a few years, they're going to outgrow that brand. <laughs> if they're successful, they're going to find out that it's very limiting, and they're going to call in an expert to say, "What do we do now?" You know, to create a real brand that's going to carry us forward into the future. So we look at those kind of influences of what might trigger and where the pain might be coming from from an organization that says that they need to investigate this further. And then our job is to keep putting out a lot of thought leadership, a lot of content, a lot of advice that people run across or that when they search for, you know, who's a rebranding specialist, boom, we'll be on the first page in terms of Google as somebody to reach out to, to, you know, to talk further about the process, knowing that they're going to do it kind of behind the scenes in that stealth manner. You know, we've got to be in those places that they're going to turn to for trusted advice. That's cool. So with the stealth side of things, is there anywhere in particular, obviously with Google, is there any in particular that you connect with those companies? Is it through LinkedIn or is it through any sort of niche advertising and print material or things like that? So, you know, it's everything from, you know, retargeting when somebody visits our website to there are going to be CMOs that are going to be involved in this process. You know, so making sure that we're in those spaces that they're gathering information or researching for information on who might be a specialist in this particular area, you know, and then we do some, we do thought leadership targeting CEOs, because if it's a small to mid-sized business, we found that some of them might not have a very developed marketing capability internally. And so that's part of what we kind of help fill in as they're going through this process as well, too. So, um, you know, if it's a business owner who says, I'm going to, I started this, I named it after myself in the beginning. There's no value in that anymore. I want to be able to sell this someday too. And I need a name that's kind of represents the outcome of what we do for customers. Then they need that kind of special handholding through the process. So targeting that story to CEOs, to business owners and so forth has been successful as well. Cool. So if someone wants to find out a little bit more about yourself and rebranding experts, where's the best place to engage with you, to connect with you and to find out more? So rebrandingexperts.com. We have a great blog that's just loaded with all sorts of resources and viewpoints and so forth about the rebranding process and what's involved in it, you know, kind of the four steps in our process as well. Pretty active on LinkedIn since it's usually a business decision. So you can find us at rebranding experts or myself at Jim Heininger. And um, I write for Forbes on a regular basis, stories, you know, kind of major trends, things that are happening in rebranding, and and we post those back on the website as well, too. Cool. That's great. Well, I really enjoyed today. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I think it was really great for you to come on the podcast, and I really appreciate it. So thanks very much. It'd be great to do this again. Thanks. I've enjoyed it, Chris. We just put together a weekly brand tip video series, which is designed to help you to unlock your brand's potential and stand out from the competition. And if you're interested, if you just go to elementsbrandmanagement, or one word, .co.uk forward slash weekly hyphen brand hyphen tips, sign up and you'll be delivered a three to five minute video a week straight to your inbox. I'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to receive more, you can subscribe in all the usual places. We're talking iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Please, if you get a chance, rate and review. It helps a podcast to kind of get a bit more visibility and allows us to keep on producing these podcasts. Have a great week. Catch up soon. Keep those brands unified.